were here with small children who would normally head to the nursery at this point, um, this would be the point to send your kids to the nursery. Um, I, I know we've got someone down there. I Actually, Dusty's down there. Um, and Sorry, you're distracting me over here. Um, <laughs> and so uh, if you have small children who would, who would have more fun in the nursery than listening to me, which is almost everybody probably, but um, <laughs> this would be the time for that. Or if you have children that are going to sit with you, uh, my wife has uh, folders with coloring pages and crayons. So if you raise your hand and, and um, you would like to have, uh, have some, some, some coloring materials, uh, Durgas, you can go ahead and raise them. It's all right. I've got to be careful picking on them because they, they shoot back, <laughs> sometimes literally. Um, <laughs> um, we're, we're looking at, uh, this week we're going to be finishing up the uh, Kingdom Family series. This is the end of the whole Kingdom series. This is, for those of y'all who, who maybe weren't here for it, um, about, uh, I don't know, three months ago we did a, a series on what it means to be a man that represents God's kingdom. And, and how God you know, calls us to live, how God calls us to act as sort of like his representative. And um, those are, if you want to listen to them, um, they're, they're online at, uh, I don't know, sermon.net slash Patching Cracks. Does that sound right? Um, or sometimes there are CDs out because I was on vacation. There aren't. That's my excuse for everything today. Um, then we did uh, Kingdom Woman, which talked about what it means to be a woman who represents God's kingdom. And... Um, then we started in on Kingdom Family, and then I disappeared for two weeks. Um, and so I, I really wanted to finish this series. And um, what we're going to be doing starting next week is we're going to work through the book of Philippians. We're going to start in the beginning, and we're going to work all the way through to the end, and that'll take us to Christmas, probably. Um, and so um, we're going to be we're going to be looking at that. But for this week, we're going to be looking at, at family and what it means to be God's family. Um, and, and what it means to represent God as, as his people together. Um, and we're going to be looking at Acts 16 for this. And so if you've got a Bible with you, you can find it um, and, and follow along. We're going to do, it's a chunk of text today, um, but it should go quick. I, I, I'll try to get you um, out in time for, for dinner. Um, um, <laughs> and so we're going to start. This is Acts, is, is, at this point in Acts, what's going on is, the, uh, the beginning of Acts um, focuses on the, the early stages of the church, like, like Jesus leaves and the disciples, um, they start figuring out what it means to be the church, and they start converting people, and the church begins to spread, and you see where, where Jewish folks convert, and then um, folks further out, like, like the um, Philistines, not the Philistines, the, the Samaritans and the folks around you know, the, the Jerusalem start converting, and then it goes further and further out, and the church sort of spreads. And as it spreads, and this is a central message of the book of Acts, and it's important, okay? So, so this will come up over and over again. As it spreads, what we begin to learn is that, that the gospel, right? This is the story of, of Jesus. You know, Jesus came, the Son of God came into this world, lived a perfect life, and then gets tortured to death um, in our place. So when I do rotten stuff, right, and when, when you all do rotten stuff, Jesus takes punishment for it. Right. And, and, you know, I don't have to be afraid of like, wow, I'm a bad guy because God sees me and forgives me because Jesus died for me. And in the beginning, there was this discussion. Well, is this just for the Jewish people? Because Jesus was was a Jew and he's he was a fulfillment of the Jewish faith. Right. And, and so folks talk, well, is this just for the Jewish people? And then all of a sudden, like God answers that question with acts. Right. And, and it 
it starts with Jewish folks, and then it goes to people who are sort of almost Jewish, but not really, and then it goes to other people and other people, and eventually it becomes clear that Jesus didn't come to die for just this specific group of people. He came to die for everyone. Everybody with me? Um, and this plays out here. And actually, um, this is you know the end of this series, but it's going to transition into ne- the next series. And so this is a two-parter. It's the end of this one, the beginning of the next one. Acts 16. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and on the day following to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia, a city or a Roman colony, and we were staying in the city for some days. All right, so there's a lot of geography there. Everybody loved geography in school, right? <laughs> so it's not going to be on the test. The important thing to understand is that Paul is traveling, and they're going from place to place. They're catching ships, and they're traveling, and eventually they end up in the city, Philippi. Now, Philippi is an older city, right? It's been there for, for a few hundred years, um, and, and so, so it's, it's not a new place, but in the last probably 100 years, it became a Roman colony. And the reason for this is there was a battle fought right outside of this city between like Mark Antony and, and Brutus, and it's actually where like the Roman government was fighting with the Roman government, and they decided that you know this group got to be in charge in the end. But but it's considered to be like a you know a pretty major battle, and um, the city they they just say well this is going to be a colony, and part of honoring the guys who fought in this battle, they they gave these guys positions of authority in the city, and and they let a lot of guys retire in the city because that's how the Romans would like change the attitude of a community. They would say, well, we don't like how these guys are acting, so we're going to bring an army there and retire a bunch of them into the city, and they're going to live there, and they're going to change their neighbors' attitudes. Everybody with me? So this is the city that Paul shows up in, and, and um, they, they're intending to stay there for just a few days, and, and what happens is, as Paul's habit, when he would visit a city, the first place he would go is he would go to the synagogue. And, and the synagogue was, it's a little like a, like a Jewish church, um, except it was more than just a church. You would have a synagogue where um, if you had kids, your kids would go to the synagogue to learn how to be Jewish. Because um, there were other schools, like Greek schools, and you didn't want to send your kids to Greek schools if you were Jewish, because you didn't want them to pick up bad ideas. And so you would send them to the Jewish school, the, the, the synagogue. And so... Um, you, you'd send your folks over to the synagogue during the week to do education, and you would gather there for meals. You would spend time together there. It was sort of a community center, right? And so Paul, on Sabbath, which, which is the Sabbath, Saturday, excuse me, it's the day of rest, and he goes out, and his plan is, as it always is, is to go to the synagogue and preach so he can convert the Jewish folks. Because, like, again, I, I said it earlier, I'll say it again, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Jewish faith, Right? Um, it's a little like uh, Abby has Legos. She just got her first set of Legos. And, and, you know, the Legos, they fit together really well. But if you get a set of Legos and a set of Mega Blocks, anybody have kids, you know, know what I'm talking about here? Mega Blocks and Legos don't work together, right? Because Mega Blocks are crummy. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but they, they don't fit together. And so, like, when Christianity, you know, when he comes around to tell about Jesus, um, the Jewish faith is kind of the Lego attachment, right? Because um, Jesus is kind of the completion of the Jewish faith. Everything in the Jewish faith points forward to Jesus. And so he starts in the synagogue, and he, he goes to teach. Well, 
that doesn't happen here. On, and on the Sabbath day, he went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. So they go, and there's no synagogue um, because there aren't that many Jewish folks. Um, in the Jewish religion, like or if you were a Jewish community, you had to have 10 Jewish men to have a synagogue, and they didn't have that many. Um, instead, he shows up, and there's a group of women who've gathered, and, and you, know, you couldn't have a synagogue just based on having like 10 or 15 women. It was a very different time. Um, if you didn't have churches based on women attendance now, there'd be no churches left. Um, <laughs> all right, so along the riverside they go, and they start to speak to the women who've gathered there to pray. And so these are the, the Jewish converts, the women who are Jewish converts. Um, a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. Now this woman, Lydia, we're going to stop here. Lydia, she sells purple stuff, right? Doesn't mean a whole lot to us because you go to, you know, wherever it is you buy clothing, and, and clothing of all colors is basically the same amount, right? Whereas purple cloth in the ancient world was really, really expensive, okay? Because you had to dye it purple, and they didn't have chemical dyes, and they didn't have factories in China to do it for us. I mean, like, like these folks had to dye their own cloth, and purple was just a very expensive dye. It was a difficult dye to produce, and there was only one way to do it. Um, and actually, that way that Lydia would have been dyeing clothing, um, they used it until about 100 years ago. Like, if you had purple clothing in the last 1,900, 2,000 years, um, all the way up to 100 years ago, this is how it was done. It's just tough to do. Everybody with me? All right, so Lydia, selling purple cloth, is probably rich, which is, you know, she's got money. Um, and she's probably got a home in, in um, Thyatira, and she definitely has a home in Philippi, right? So she's... she's a fairly wealthy woman, and this is a little like having a home in San Francisco and a home in New York, right? Because they're big cities. These are not small towns. It's not like, well, I got a town in Big Sandy or a house in Big Sandy and, and one over in, I don't know, uh, Fort Benton. I mean, you know, not these tiny little towns. I mean, these are big cities. And, and she's got homes in these places. She's got money. She's a well-to-do person. And it says that she's a worshiper of God. This means she is not Jewish, um, becoming Jewish was not easy. You had to really want to be Jewish, and it took years to convert to being a Jew. And oftentimes, like for men, men just wouldn't convert because of that whole circumcision thing. If you don't understand that, ask your parents when you get home. Um, it was tough. It was Becoming a Jew was a difficult thing. And so this woman, she's a worshiper of God, meaning she was what was called a God-fearer. She was somebody who did everything except join. And Honestly, if they didn't have a synagogue, she probably couldn't join, right? But she's a woman who's serious, and she knows what she wants, and she's got money, and she, she lives a certain way. And so Lydia is there, um, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she had, or, and when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Um, there's a joke there. So hold on a second. We'll come around to it. So she listens. She's excited. She says, you know what? Not only me, but my whole family. We're all getting baptized. So they all like become Christians right there and then. Which says something, by the way, because she hadn't finished becoming Jewish. 
but she jumped right on this Christian thing. You know, and so God impressed her heart, and she was moved, and she said, I will be a Christian now. And then she persuaded them to come live in their house. She probably has a huge house, a huge, nice house. And they probably eat great food, and Peter, you know, or, or excuse me, Luke ends it. Oh, and then she convinced us to go and stay with her. Like it was that tough, right? <laughs> it was probably the nicest place they'd stayed in months. Um, and so they go to stay with Lydia. So the first convert we see in Philippi is a very wealthy woman who's probably Greek, right? So she's a different race than these guys, right? And, and she is the first one. So that's one. Acts 16, uh, 16, 18. It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us. Now we're going to hit pause here. Um, if you have a translation, a Bible of your own, and you're looking, that spirit of divination thing could be about ten different things. Because... What the text says is she had a spirit of python. And that's weird, right? Like, you guys know what pythons are? You see them at zoos. They're really big. They wrap around you and squeeze you till you die. Um, the python, in, in the Greek religion, there was, there was a group of, of people who would tell the future. And they would have oracles, like these really cool buildings with giant snakes built up outside to protect them, like stone, not real snakes. Um, and you would go there and you would pay like a hundred bucks and you'd go in and somebody with this particular like, like demonic spirit would fall on the floor and they would say things and those things would be your future. Everybody, like, like maybe some of you all saw the 300. There's a scene of that in the 300 where these, these young ladies, um, you shouldn't see it, it's a violent and, and awful movie, but... Um, <laughs> But, but the, it, it's a movie scene where this happens, where these young ladies, they, they're not in control of themselves. They speak, and what they say is, is considered to be like fortune-telling. And it was a very common practice amongst the Greeks, and they were everywhere around the world, right? And so this is a girl who has this spirit of divination, or she tells the future, and she tells the future because, you know, she has this, this demon that makes her speak. Um, she met us, who... Uh, she's also a slave girl, let me fill this in, meaning she was owned by these folks, and they made money off of her by having her tell fortunes, right? I mean, fortune-telling, these, these folks are around, they make money. I mean, there's money in it. Um, and actually, who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling? Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, these men are bondservants of the Most High God. By the way, the word bondservant is a really nice way of saying slave. She's walking around saying, these guys are slaves of God, of the Most High God. Um, and they're proclaiming the way to, or proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very moment. Okay, so the first woman was wealthy, right? Well-to-do, probably well-educated, multiple homes, the whole nine yards, right? This one is about on this end of the spectrum. She's a slave. She doesn't even own herself. And not only that, um, the way that she's converted, like compare them, right? The woman, how is she converted? Well, Paul sits down and has a long intellectual discussion with him. And this little girl, what happens? Paul says, demon, come out of her, and, and that's it, right? Like, so the way that this girl is brought into the fold is really different, right? It's like a night and day thing. Um, intellectual discussion, wealthy, well-to-do, slave, doesn't own herself, can't control how she speaks, um, 
And with a word, she's changed. Like God steps in and the miracle happens, and that's it. Um, and so we have, a, we have a spectrum, right? This is all in the same city. Um, it goes on. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, meaning that Paul wrecked their business, right? <laughs> um, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged him into the marketplace before the authorities. So they took him to court. You know, they grabbed him and dragged him into court. And these guys are probably Roman citizens, right? They're probably guys who travel and whatnot, but they're, they're Roman citizens. They bring him to the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which are not lawful for us to accept or observe being Romans. Is that what they did? No. They wrecked his business. <laughs> Right? Like the, he, the, these guys came and they screwed up my business. But you're not going to say that to the judge, right? So they dragged him out and they said, these guys are Jews and we don't like them. Now, about five years before this, the Jewish folks in Rome were kicked out of the city. They gathered them all up and threw them out and said, don't come back. And in parts of the, parts of the world, it wasn't legal to be in a Roman colony or a Roman province and be Jewish. They didn't like the Jewish folks very much because they were kind of troublemakers. And so these guys jump on this bandwagon. It works out well for them, right? They say, these guys are Jews. They're outsiders. And they're ticking off everybody in the city. Um, and so like they, they play on this sort of racism that, that exists amongst Romans against Jewish folks. It was real. It did happen. And the crowd rose up together against them. And the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. Now, tearing your robes, we don't really do this, right? But like in the ancient world, if you were offended by something, you showed it by ripping your clothes, right? We don't really do that now. We have different ways. We go and complain to our neighbor. Um, I, well, anyway. <laughs> um, but they, they say, all right, well, take them out and have them beaten with rods. And so what they did, and this is pretty unpleasant, they would hang you up and your hands would be above your head and they'd pull your skin tight. And then they'd take these rods and they would... They would wallop you with them, right? And they would bring up welts, and they'd usually break the skin. Or if you were really unlucky, it would cut the flesh underneath and leave your skin intact, and you would get these unbelievable bruises. Um, it was not a pleasant way to be to be punished, right? But but you know these guys. Was this a trial, by the way? Not really, right? Like it wasn't much of a trial. They were brought in. They said these guys are Jews, and that's all these guys needed to hear. All right, well, have them beaten. Um, and so they did. They beat them with rods, and they struck them with many blows. They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. We're going to hit pause here. He sa they say, well, put them in the jail, put them in the inner jail, and keep an eye on them so they don't get away. Right? So he, this guy, he's probably a retired Roman, like soldier, probably a higher up, because we know that like these guys tended to gravitate toward jobs like jail, right? because it really, their talent of hurting people came into play. Um, <laughs> and, and so this guy, like the guess is that he's probably a retired Roman soldier. He takes Paul and Silas, he takes them to the jail, and he puts them in stocks. Now, some of you guys maybe have seen the pilgrims, they are like the, you know, the arms and head, you know, and in, in the ancient world, stocks were less pleasant. Um, stocks were a means of torture. What you would do is you would lock this person's legs into this thing, and they would be in an awkward, difficult position. And what it would do is if you sat there long enough, eventually you would have cramps and aches, and it would become quite painful. The objective of stocks was torture, 
very slow torture. And it was torture that did itself. You just locked them in and you went home. And it kept torturing them while you slept. It was a great idea. Um, did this guy, was he told to torture him? No. <laughs> this is a guy who took his job to the next level. He didn't have to. He did it because he wanted to. Um, so he takes him in, he locks him in stocks, and then he goes home and he goes to bed. Um, we know that because, um, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. So they're locked in stocks. They're probably in a lot of pain. They were beaten publicly just before this, so they probably got that going for them, which is, you know, I don't know if any of you guys ever taken a good shot. Like, it hurts, and it hurts for a while. And so these guys are probably in a lot of pain. They've got open wounds. They're probably bleeding. And what are they doing? Singing and praising God. This is an aside. It's not the main point. How many of you all have a bad day, and the first thing you do is say, God hates me? That's not the way these guys respond. These guys don't sit and say, oh, our life is miserable. Oh, can you believe it? We were living in a mansion yesterday, and now we're in prison. Oh, this is it. They don't gripe. They sing. And they talk about how great God is. And they do this because when we face difficulties, one of the best things we can do is turn to God and say, you know, you're my comfort. Because we can find comfort. We can find peace in any situation. And that's what these guys do. And as they're being tortured, as they're tied up, um, and they're singing, the other prisoners are listening to them. Did they have a choice? No. <laughs> um, you could tune them out. I mean, most folks tune me out after a little bit. Um, and suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. So they're sitting in prison, they're locked in this uncomfortable position, and there's an earthquake, and all of a sudden, like, the doors open and everybody's chains fall off and they're free. And I'm guessing that Paul and Silas probably pulled their legs out and started rubbing and else. But they didn't leave. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison door open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. First off, this is discipline, right? This guy shows up. He looks. He sees the doors open. He says, everybody's gotten away. And his first response is, well, I'm going to have to kill myself. Because he was going to receive everybody's punishment who got away. That's Roman law. If you were a jailer, the Romans said, if you have a jail and a guy escapes, you get his punishment. Now, for almost nothing, these Jewish guys were beaten publicly and thrown in jail, right? Like, so for almost nothing, like, they'll, they'll do pretty nasty stuff to you, including kill you. Um, and so the, 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 the guard, the prison keeper, decides to kill himself. He draws out his sword. It was probably about that long. Roman swords were really short. You carried a big shield. And anyway, um, you know, this... this little sword, and he goes to kill himself. And immediately, but Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Now, that is something, isn't it? They've been tortured, and they don't leave. They stay right where they're at. They stay right where they're at, and then the guy who was torturing them, they say, hold on, hold on, hold on, don't kill yourself. We're all still here. That's different, isn't it? I mean, like, if you were sitting, I mean, they could just flee and they wouldn't get caught, but they didn't. They stayed. Now, um, this is something different, isn't it? This, this Roman centurion, who's kind of a jerk because he tortures people for fun and was about ready to kill himself, um, he rushes in um, 
he called out for lights and rushed in and trembled with fear and fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Rich woman, slave girl, horrible, mean Roman soldier guy who tortures people for fun. Is he like the rest? There's that song they sing on Sesame Street, one of these things is not like the other, one of these things does not belong. In this case, it's none of these things is like any of the other stuff around them. And they all converted in different ways. Intellectual discussion, right? Um, the second one through, through the word of God, I mean, literally a command. And the third year, this, this you know, retired soldier, this jailer, through the fact that these guys stayed and sang, probably sang, you know, I'm guessing you could hear it, they sang and praised God while they were being tortured. Like, and it moved this guy and he said, hey, what do I have to do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to them, um, together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds and immediately he was baptized, he and his household. This is a change, isn't it? All of a sudden, they're like, well, let me take you in and, and deal with your wounds and take care of you, and you're going to stay in my house. I mean, that's night and day, right? Oh, not in the prison. You're going to stay in our house now. Um, his heart has changed, and he becomes a different man like that, right? Um, you've got three different people, probably three different races, definitely three different cultural backgrounds, three different socioeconomic statuses, three different conver conversion methods, and in the long run, like, God deals with them like the way he's going to deal with them. And he deals with them personally. And he sends Paul and Silas to take care of them and to bring them to him. Like, this is part of God's plan in this. Um, he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Um, later on, this is Philippi, right? So when Paul writes the letter of Philippians... We're going to learn a lot more about these guys because it's about eight years later. What we're going to find out, and this is what we're going to be talking about for the next few months, is God took this very different group of people who experienced him in very different ways, and he makes them into one of the most solid churches in the ancient world. Philippians is the only letter that Paul wrote to the churches where he doesn't say, you guys are screwing up and here's why. Instead, he writes things like, I, just, I long to be with you guys again. I miss you so much. I long, he actually uses phrases to describe his affection for him that's unique like to the entire Bible, actually unique to the entire Bible. We don't see it anywhere else because it's so glowing. Paul recognizes that this group of people who are so different from each other, like they're special and amazing. And the church that comes out of this is solid and it's powerful. And it, it, it's the only one that doesn't need to be corrected. How is that? Um, what does this have to do with us as a family? Look around you. Okay? Just take a second. Look at the people around you. In America, in America, Sunday morning is the most segregated day of the week. Um, people tend to gravitate to people who are like them. Right? It's the truth. The body of Christ isn't meant to be that way. The body of Christ is meant to be all of us unified in Jesus. Jesus died for me. He died for you. He died for all of us, regardless of, you know, who you look like, what kind of money you have, what neighborhood you came from, all of this. Christ died to unify us all as one family. And that's what he does here. 
This is the ideal example of it. We're meant to belong to each other. And we're meant to love each other beyond all expectations, beyond all reason. God would go to any length for every one of you. And he puts us together as the body of Christ. God's family loves each other no matter what. The kingdom family, the family that properly represents God's, you know, like, like who God desires us to be, God's authority in the world, the kingdom family doesn't see race or money or anything. They see Jesus in each other. Um, to put this a little more into perspective, now when the day came, the chief magistrates sent their policemen saying, release those men, and the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the chief magistrates have sent... Uh, to release you. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, if they have beaten us in public without a trial, men who are Romans and have thrown us into prison and now they are sending us away secretly, no indeed. But let them come themselves and bring us out of town. So Paul says, you know what? I'm a Roman citizen. Now, if you were a Roman citizen, you couldn't be tortured for any reason without a trial. You couldn't be tortured beyond a certain point ever like there was a number of lashes you could receive, and beyond that it was illegal. So Paul stands up and says, you know what? They're trying to kick us out quietly. I'm a Roman citizen. You can't do that. You couldn't even torture me without a trial. I want the judge to come here and walk me out of town. And the judges hear about it, and they're terrified. They're like, oh, oh no, we did this? They would actually, the judges at this point, by law, should be executed themselves. Because that's what Roman law dictated. If you mistreat a Roman and violated their constitutional rights, they didn't have a constitution, but their rights as Roman citizens, you could execute them. Like, that's what the law dictated. And these guys, they showed up. Could you imagine that being in jail overnight and saying, I'm not leaving until the judge himself comes down here and walks me out? And he does. <laughs> and, like, like, Paul goes. And I'm guessing Paul used this opportunity to tell him about Jesus because that's who Paul was. And he went back to Lydia's house. And he sat down with all the converts that he had made while he was there. And he visited with them. And he encouraged them. And he said, you know what? Because I did this, you're protected. And he leaves. Um, and so he leaves like this church that grows into something beautiful. Something diverse. Something like, like unified in the spirit. Something that reflects the body of Christ. Um, and my challenge for you today, I'm running a touch on the long side, but my my challenge for you today as we close up is um, the folks around you, the people that God has put in our lives, um, God's put there to, you know, to be family, to be brothers and sisters in Christ. If you look and say, I don't have this family, I don't belong because I'm like this, you don't know where I've been and what I've done and what my history is, none of those things matter. What matters and what gives us value as people is God's love manifested in Christ in our hearts. Um, and it makes us one. It makes us people. Um, my challenge for you is day and night, look for ways to live that out. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you come up with bad words to say about them, swallow them and then say sorry to them. Because God called us to be together. We're going to close in prayer. And I, do we have one more song? Bruce Burkett. Okay. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us this morning. Help us to... Um, Help us to be unified as, as folks who come from diverse backgrounds, saved from different things, but all belonging to Christ. Um, I pray that you would pour your spirit on us and give us your grace this week. 
Help us to, to be a different kind of people that makes folks look and say, wow, you know, those are different people. Um, in Christ's name, amen.